Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Come on. I don't know about you, but it feels so good in here. It feels so good to be with all of you. Um, Matt said it. I know so many of you. There's many of you that I've met before and, and another good amount of you that I have not met. And so it is great to be here with you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Matt's right. We did a lot of crazy stuff. As he was sharing that story about the internship, I remember my first flub. We were getting ready to start the internship, and I was supposed to have ordered all the textbooks. And the next day was their class, and I had not ordered them. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And I was like, dude, I didn't order the textbooks. And he was like, what do you mean you didn't order the textbooks? I was like, yeah, I didn't order the textbooks. I'm not sure what to tell you. Let's blame Kim. Uh, You know, but he didn't, he didn't, we didn't go that way. We didn't go that way. But there were a lot of those kinds of stories. And so Matt and I, we did, we got to do a lot of ministry together, specifically at New Life. Um, And so it was just really fun. I feel like Matt is one of those guys that when you meet him, you just want to spend more time with him because he's just as much fun as he is passionate about Jesus. And that's a good combo to me. I'm like, if we're going to follow Jesus and not have fun, like, let's not even do it. Right. But if we can follow Jesus, then we should have fun because we know the light of life. And that's what it's about. And so. I love Matt. I also love Stu, love so many of the people that are here. Um, And so I'm just excited. But yeah, I did. I I came all the way from 10 trails this morning. And so it was a really long drive. I'm kind of tired, but I'll manage. So thank you. Um, But I am actually currently, I'm a part of Young Life. So some of you have probably heard of Young Life, but I work for Young Life. There we go. Uh, Young Life is a global organization that is really devoted to introducing teenagers to Jesus. And so I have the opportunity of working uh, within our region. So I work for Alaska and the South Puget Sound region. So that would include the area that we're in right now. And so I just love what God's doing. But I so love the local church, um, number one, because, again, those are my roots. That's where I came from. But also because even in being a part of Young Life, I know that without the local church, we're nothing. And so it's so good to show up and to just partner together and to remember that we are in this together, that we serve the same God, that he's passionate about all of us working together and reaching more people and living our lives for him so that when people see us, they see him. And so I'm excited about that, and I'm really grateful um, to be here. I wish my family could be here, but we just started school a couple of weeks, and I got a couple of kids, so that means the sickness just cycles through the home. You know, one person gets sick, somebody gets better, then the other kid gets sick, and the other one gets better, and then mom gets sick, and then the other kids get better. That's how it goes. So they couldn't be here, but I did bring a picture of my family here. This is my beautiful wife, Desiree. Yeah, come on, clap for her, please. Um, my beautiful wife, Desiree, in the middle, we met at New Life. Uh, many of you know her. She's an incredible worship leader and an even better mom. And then my son, uh, his name is Wilder. He is six years old and he is wild. So if you don't have kids, I'm going to give you a pro tip. Don't name your kid Wilder because he will be wild. And then my daughter, she is two and a half and her name is Navy. So, you know, we went with those weird names. Just just go with it, okay? Just go with it. But uh, that's Navy, Wilder, and Dez, and they are the best part of me. I wish that they could be here. Um, but again, they're only like two minutes away, so it's almost like they're here anyway, <laughs> you know? But here's what I want to do. I'm super excited to be with you because I feel like whenever I'm invited to come to a place and to share, I get to just show up and I get to see what the Lord is already doing. 
And I told Pastor Matt um, that just in the short time of being here, like it feels so good to be here and to just see the freedom that you all have, the excitement, the joy, the liveliness that you have to be here and to be a part of this. And so I'm excited to just share for a few moments. And really, my goal is just to encourage you, just to leave you with something that will just encourage you throughout the week and to share some of my own experiences and pray and believe that the Lord will use that uh, to encourage your walk with him. And so that's all we're going to do. We're going to have a good time. Um, I promise I'm not going to talk for like five hours. I'm going to let anybody else can do that, but I I promise I won't do that. So uh, here's what I would like to do. I would love for us to just stand together and just open up with uh, prayer and for us to just pray together. Because here's the thing. We're all coming from different places. We all look different. We all act different. We all talk different. We all have different jobs. We all have different responsibilities. We all have different lives. You came in today carrying the life that you live, and that's okay. It's called humanity. Uh, But here's the thing. I believe that the Lord desires to unify us in this space and in this time. And so what I want us to do is I want us to kind of just leave a bit of that and just be present and just be in this moment, not just with each other, but more than anything with the Lord. And I believe that the Lord will honor that. I believe that the Lord wants to encourage your heart. I believe that the Lord wants to impart something to you that you can take with you beyond this moment, apply to your lives, and that it will do something transformative in your lives. That's why we follow Jesus, right? So I want us to pray together. Would you just close your eyes? And if you're comfortable, would you raise your hands or just open up your hands, whatever it looks like for you to just take a posture of openness. And let's pray for this moment. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for just what you're already doing. God, I am so encouraged to see how you are alive throughout our world, but specifically right here today. I'm so grateful to see what you're doing at and through Church for All, Lord. And so I just pray that over the next few moments as we open up your word, as we talk about you, God, that you would give us something that we can take home with us. God, you would give us something that would encourage our hearts and our spirits, but that would also give us some practicality to put our hands to. God, and so I just pray for all of these people, God, myself included, I pray that you open up our hearts. I pray that you open up our minds. God, I pray that we would be fully present in this time. And we thank you for what you're gonna do in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, high five somebody as you get ready to sit down. Don't forget I work with teenagers, so that's why I went to the high five, you know? Um, one of the things that I uh, want to share with you is actually going to be in the book of James. We're going to open that up in just a second, but that's all I really want to do. I just want to share what I feel like the Lord is showing me. And I would say um, it's one of the best, worst parts of being someone who communicates is whenever you're getting ready to share something with somebody else, the Lord very quickly shares it with you first. And so what I'm going to share with you today isn't for you. It's for us. This is what I feel like the Lord is, has put in front of me. And so the Lord, it's like he, he, he gives me something and then has me write about it. And then he's like, hey, open up your journal and let everybody see your business. That's basically what communicating is. So, you know, um, but I do want to share this encouragement with you. I've been reading in the book of James and I love the book of James. It's such an encouragement uh, to our hearts as we aim to follow Jesus. And it just gives some really good practical things. And so The first passage that I want to read is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and it says it like this. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, 
And I love this word because it says whenever, not if ever, but whenever, which if you're living, then you know, like life happens. It's just the way it rolls. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. And I know that we're talking about next steps right now, and I know that we're focusing on what are the next steps in our faith look like, but I think one of the most important things to our faith is that we would persevere in it, that there would constantly be next steps, that we wouldn't take one step and say, I'm set, I'm good, I'm done. And we know that as we invite the Lord into our hearts, when we acknowledge him and we begin to live our life after him, that's when it really starts, right? And so it says that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. In other words, that we would go for the long haul. And it says, let perseverance finish, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I love this promise for us as Christ followers that the Lord says, as you follow me, although you're going to face trials, things are going to happen, but allow the testing of your faith, allow those trials to produce perseverance so that you get to the very end when you get to meet Jesus face to face. And in that moment, you are mature, lacking nothing. You are complete. I don't know about you, but the older that I get, the more that I value just wholeness. The more that I watch social media, the more that I value wholeness, right? And I love this word perseverance because it's such a big word, but I'm gonna be honest, I don't feel like I truly understood what perseverance was until we had our second kid. And then you're like, I know what you're talking about, Lord. Because you see, I feel like when we had our first kid, like that's when my wife became a mother, but I feel like I became a father when we had our second kid. And I was like, oh, Right? I'll never forget that. We came home from the hospital. I think it was like day two that she was alive. And Matt's laughing because he knows this is true. But um, I remember I was standing in the kitchen and it was like 630 at night. And I just remember thinking like, I am exhausted. Right? My wife just gave birth like two days ago. So I'm sure she was. But I just remember in that moment thinking like, this is crazy. You mean like our day doesn't start until they're both asleep and they don't go to sleep at the same time? I'm like, every day for the rest of our lives? Like, what? Nobody talked about this. I was like, nobody was totally honest about this. And it was crazy, but I I do. I feel like the Lord used that to just show me that it was really like there's some of that perseverance that you're going to need, right? If you have kids to kind of keep going, to do the thing, to do the things that you know to do, to do them every day, to do them over again, to explain them five times to your six-year-old because he's asking the same question again and again and again. Right? And so those of you, if you have kids, you know perseverance that I'm talking about. If you don't have kids, now you know. Okay? But here's the thing. The Lord instructs us that if we're going to make it, we're going to have to have perseverance. That's a good word. Like, we know that word. We understand that. It doesn't take a genius to go, yeah, absolutely. If we want to follow Jesus, we need to be committed to it for the long haul. And I want you to think about who you are right now, whatever age you are, and I want you to think about your relationship with the Lord, and I want you to think about what it looks like to follow him for the next 10 years, for the next 20 years, for the next 30 years, for the next 40 years, for the next 50 years. The truth is that the younger that you are, the less likely you are to have those thoughts. But the Lord calls us not just to follow him today, but for us to follow him forever. So if we're going to do that, if we're going to finish, if we're going to be mature and complete, not lacking anything, then we're going to have to do things that will keep us committed and connected to the gospel forever. And so that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about our next steps 
in perseverance and how we can persevere together. And so I want to go uh, to 2 Corinthians 4. This is one of my favorite uh, chapters in all the Bible. Actually, 2 Corinthians 4 and 5, I would really encourage you, even after this, maybe this week, take some time, open up the Bible and read through uh, chapter 4, chapter 5. There's some incredible things there. But I want to talk about this, and I want to share it, and I want to share how it relates to perseverance. And so 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Immediately, it's connected to what we were just talking about. Therefore, because we know Jesus, we don't give up. We don't lose heart. We don't give in. We don't cave. But we hold on to it. Then if you jump down to verse 4, it gives us a very honest reality of the world that we live in. It says the God of this age, in other words, like just the world, humanity has blinded the minds of unbelievers. If you don't know Jesus, then it can tend to feel a little bit differently. But it says so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In other words, if you don't know Jesus, and all of us have been in that pool before where we didn't yet know who Jesus was and we looked through life, we were unable to see the promises that are available to us in Jesus Christ. And so he's just saying, hey, it's really important for you to know that the world, that life can actually blind you, that there's actually some value there connected to your sight and the things that you see. And it's actually unseen by many. That many people would focus on just life and just trying to be successful by um, the world's terms or by life terms and just going like, do I have enough money? Do I have a good job? Is my marriage all right? But the truth is, as Christ far as we know, that there is much more than just that. And those are not bad things, but those are temporary things. And so verse seven, he continues on, Paul writes, and he encourages the church and he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. He's saying, if you're a Christ follower, then you can see things a little bit differently. You can see things the way that the Lord desires us to see them. But let's not get it confused. You don't see them because you're really good at it. You see it because the Lord is in you. Let me pause here for just a second and say how grateful I am that as I have chosen to give over my life to Jesus, that as we give our lives over to him, that he actually imparts his spirit to us, lives within us and guides us. That although there's no good thing within us, he's within us and he helps us. And this is where it starts to really kind of break open a little bit more. And Paul starts to just talk about life. In verse eight, he says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Basically goes through like all these crazy things, right? And it sounds so intense and it, it was intense. But what I think is really important in these passages is sometimes we can take a step back and we look at the life of Paul and we go, man, that guy was living crazy time life. It was wild, it was nuts, and it was for him. But I think in this verse, he's still talking about just daily life. He's actually talking not just about the craziest things that will happen, but he's also talking about just parenting, marriage, trauma, hurts, financial struggles, career setbacks, broken relationships. He's talking about all of those things. 
And so it's really important as we read passages like this that we don't think that it's just because of the crazy life that Paul lived, but really Paul includes this and writes this letter to the church because he's talking about our lives. That you and I are called to remember that we have the Lord living within us, that despite life, we can still follow him. That even though those moments are gonna happen, because again, if you're living life, it's gonna happen because of humanity. None of us are perfect. Every single one of us has different things that are happening. Verse 16 through 18, this is kind of really like the meat of what I want to talk about and the encouragement that I really want to give you. But first, I shared all that because I want us to be on an even playing field. I want us to recognize that if you're here in this room and if you've chosen to follow Jesus, then our goal would be that we would follow him for the long haul. I want us to acknowledge that our calling is to be committed to it, not just for a moment, but forever. I want us to acknowledge that the world doesn't always see it that way, but as Christ follows, we get to see things differently. That life is gonna happen, that despite your humanity, despite brokenness, despite setbacks, despite all of those things, we don't give up. That that's our calling. Now that's all exciting and we would all get behind that. We're like, yeah, but the truth is how, right? Like how? If we're called to live that out, like what a great word and we could park it there and we would celebrate and then we walk out of here and we go back to like the broken marriage. We get excited about what's been shared but then we go back to our addiction. We get excited here in the room and then we have to walk out and we have to face that we're alone and we feel depressed or anxiety or all the different things. So it's not enough to just hear about what we are called to do or called to be, but we have to learn how do we do that? How, despite life, can we persevere? How can we continue to follow the Lord? Over the, the past two years, I had some crazy health issues um, that started in 2020, and I feel um, this has always been a favorite passage of mine, but I feel like the Lord really used all of my crazy health issues to just bring this to the forefront and really like highlighted them. Has the Lord ever like highlighted something for you? It's not that fun while it's happening, but there's a lot of value in it, right? He like expedites parts of life sometimes. And so a couple years ago, and I'm gonna read these verses in just a second, but a couple years ago, it was like uh, August or September of 2020, I got uh, so sick. Uh, all of a sudden one day I woke up and I felt like somebody was literally punching my insides and I'm like, what in the world is this? And so I go to the doctor and they're like, oh, your uh, intestines are infected and actually um, it's ruptured a bit. So you have to have surgery and you have to be really careful because that could be really bad for you. And I'm like, what? I'm like 31. I'm like health issues, hospital stays, surgery. Like what's up with this? And I had never really had any health issues or anything like that, but it was extremely debilitating and there weren't a lot of answers. And so I started in August this journey of health issues that would really last from then all the way until really intensely until the following April. And then after that, it was kind of still like a little bit of a roller coaster. Some of you that, that you know me and I know you, you kind of know about that. You probably saw on Facebook because we were praying, my wife was praying and 
stuff, but it was really crazy. Oh, I don't have time to go into all the details, but throughout the course of those health issues, I had to have two surgeries and I had eight hospital stays, which the eight hospital stays were always random. So that meant I would be at home with my family and then all of a sudden I would just feel so sick that I needed to um, get to the hospital as quickly as possible. They would give me, I think I had like 15 CT scans, which at that point they were like, we better slow you down on the CT scans, that's a lot. And so I had all these crazy things, but because of the issues being so internal, I had to, when I would go to the hospital, I had to be put on this thing called NPO, which means you don't get any food and you don't get any water. They just give you an IV and they give you whatever vitamins are necessary, but it's not food. It's just necessary vitamins to keep you hydrated, but that's it. And it was during COVID, so you really couldn't have any guests or visitors. It was terrible. I know I'm laughing, and I don't know why, but it was terrible. It was one of the worst experiences of my life, and it wasn't only terrible for me, but it was obviously terrible for my wife. We, at that point, we had had my daughter maybe like uh, five months prior, so, you know, it's COVID, it's lockdown, we have a five-month-old and a uh, five-year-old, and it was just really crazy, and so that was really stressful and worrisome for her. You know, even my son, he was so young, but he developed this like nervous anxiety driven thing where he would have to go to the bathroom every 30 seconds and he seemed fine, but it was just impacting all of us incredibly. It was terrible. And um, eventually it got so bad that um, I, I couldn't even have water for like two weeks because I was getting so sick. And so at that point, then they had to elevate not just the IV, but then I got a pick line, which a pick line is when they like put it in your arm and it goes all the way to your heart. Sounds scary, but it's, you get used to it. Once you're in the hospital, like seven times, you're like, go at me, bro, you know? And so I had this pick line and they were starting to get really nervous because they were like, this is kind of too bad. I lost 70 pounds, you know, which gained some of it back. But, you know, I lost 70 pounds. And so I had gone from like 210 or 215 all the way down to like a buck 45. Well, a grown man, my height should not be a buck 45. Okay, I'll tell you that much. And I'll never forget, like just being in the hospital and feeling just so defeated. I mean, again, it was this constant like in and out. And being there in the hospital during COVID, so you couldn't have guests. My kids couldn't come because they weren't allowed. If you had one guest, you could only have one guest per day sometimes, but it was dependent upon how the rest of the floor was doing. And if there was too much COVID, then like no one could come. You couldn't even sometimes go and walk around your room because they didn't want you to expose yourself to someone else who might be sick or vice versa. And so I had a lot of time to just think, you know, being there alone, also not being able to eat, also not being able to drink. Oddly enough, I watched a lot of the Food Network channel. Don't ask me how that worked, but I watched a lot of barbecue shows. Um, But it was really crazy. But I feel like in that season, it was the worst season of my life for sure. It was the hardest season of my life. I hope that I never encounter that kind of deprivation from relationships or food or drink ever again. And so you can imagine, like you're just laid up in a hospital, you don't feel well enough. I'm just like on painkillers constantly. And I'm just laying there. And I remember just thinking so many things because I'm a Christ follower. So I'm like, what is even this? 
And we don't say it, but we kind of tend to think or believe that if we're going to be Christ followers, that maybe the Lord will give us a few exemption passes throughout life, right? That we're like, I'm like, can I cash that one in? Right? We, we think that. Even though we know that that's not biblically true, that it doesn't work that way, we love to hope and believe for that. And who wouldn't? Like, nobody wants to be sick. Nobody wants to be in the hospital. Nobody wants to encounter life. But I remember feeling that, and I remember feeling like I was in this place where I had a decision to make, and I was like, what am I going to do with my faith in this moment? Like, I feel like things are the worst they've ever been, and I don't want to give up on God, but I feel like maybe I should be upset. I don't know. Like, I'm alone. Like, there's literally no one here. Everybody kept asking me that weird question where they're like, hey, like, you're only 31, but like, do you have a will or power of attorney? And you're like, why are you asking me that? So I got one. You know, and they, they never like necessarily thought that I was going to die, but it was always like this weird thing where they were like, we think that you have really, really severe Crohn's disease and it's debilitating you. And here's the bad news. Like if we give you surgery, every time we give you surgery, it, it could potentially get worse. And then we can kind of remedy it with medication, but the medication sometimes can be worse than the disease. So there just wasn't a lot of good options. And even when I was out of the hospital, because I'd lost so much weight, I was actually on the pick line. So I had a backpack at home that I had to wear 24 seven so that the vitamins could go in, which again, remember like, you're not getting food, you're just getting vitamins. So you're still hungry and you're still weak. And so my family would go out and I couldn't do anything with them. And I just, again, I remember feeling so like, what, what, what does this mean? Like, what is this? And it lasted for so long that it felt like, will I get better? And they couldn't figure out an answer. I actually, to be honest, like to this day, I still don't have an answer for what happened. Luckily, praise God, like I didn't have Crohn's disease. They tested me. I had a couple surgeries. I did get better. Obviously, I put on a little bit of weight. I'm not a buck 45 anymore. I'm out of the hospital. Praise God. But for that season, it, it caused me to really think about my faith and go like, I either can be upset, but I'm going to be upset by myself in the hospital room, or I can lean in. And honestly, like, it sounds brave to lean in, but I really didn't have a choice because, again, I was, like, alone. I was like, that's all I got. Like, my 31-year-old young body is failing me. Like, my wife's not here. She can't be here, and she can't even come see me every day because we have little kids, and they can't come in. So she's not here. Like, even my church community, they were so great at praying for me, and many of you prayed for me, and you reached out, and I had people that would try to come and see. But even then, I was so alone that it was like, what will I do? And I had been reading this passage for a long time, and I remember when I was in the hospital, Angie, actually, Adrian used to come to the hospital a lot of nights and he would just sit there and he would read me 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. And it says it like this in verse 16. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. That honestly became so real and true. I'd known this verse, but it was a different feeling to literally be like, I get you. It says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And I remember in that moment trying to cling to this and going like, Lord, how am I being renewed every day? But I will tell you that I never felt like the Lord abandoned me. There was this really weird peace. And it wasn't like a, 
it wasn't like a really awesome piece. It was like a, I'm going home or I'm going home piece. That's like a weird one, right? And like, it's kind of, you know, even now, like the way I talk about it, I'm like making humor about dying and stuff like that. You can tell like, it's, it's, it's a tough one for me. But I do, I remember feeling that and feeling like, okay, Lord, like if this is it, like if this is kind of what the rest of life looks like, like I'm going to always have to be careful and maybe I, I can't really eat too much or whatever, then I'm like, Lord, like I still believe that you're faithful. Like I still believe, and I saw it so much, again, through our community. I had friends and people that didn't even know my family that would send like my kids toys just to cheer them up for five minutes. We had people that helped us with hospital bills and different things, people that just would send me constant texts and encourage us. And it meant so much, but this verse really stuck out, stood out to me because I thought, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, what are you trying to show me? And as I encountered that peace, I had to remember that peace is a gift from God. That peace is from the Spirit. And I began to believe like, okay, Lord, like my body might fail me, but you're going to do something inside of my heart. You're going to do something to renew me. Verse 17 says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And I thought, Lord, as bad as this is, if I believe your word to be true, then I have to believe that what you're doing is way better than how bad this is. That what I get to walk away from, whether it's this earth or the next one, that it's actually going to do something. That, Lord, you'll use this for your good. And honestly, like that became my hope because it was so dark and it was so terrible, but I just kept believing like, Lord, like you've got to be using this for your good, like in my own life. And that's the thing is a lot of times we want to think that it means for everybody else, right? Like everybody else is going to be encouraged by seeing my life. But I wasn't really thinking about that. I was going, Lord, you're trying to renew me. You're trying to perfect and complete and bring my spirit to maturity so that I can meet you face to face one day. I'm like, Lord, that is the work at hand as I lay here in this hospital. And this final verse in verse 18 that really just means so much, it says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I felt like the Lord said, stop looking at your broken body. That's the stuff you can see. But what are the things that you can't see that I'm doing? And it just shifted things for me. I'm not saying it was awesome every day. Not at all. It was terrible every day. But there was this peace that came from the Lord that reminded me to look at the things that I couldn't see and trust that he was using this. I don't believe he sent it. I don't believe that he was sending that my way. I believe that the Lord used it and said, Despite this, I'll draw you in. Despite this, I'll help you be whole. Despite this, I'll still be known as good. And I have this picture from the hospital that I took, um, and it really represented my stay for me. It felt so gray inside, everything I could see, and I was stuck on that bed. And every time I had a surgery, because it was like an intestinal surgery, you almost, it feels like you have to relearn how to walk because it's just so painful. But I remember like looking outside that window and 
there was a small plane that would come every day. I don't know who that pilot is or like what he's doing with his life, but he had a lot of time, let me just say. But every day there would be a little plane that would come and those, those cards on the window were notes from my kids because I couldn't see my kids. So the only way I was allowed to see them was if I came to the window and they could see me down in the parking lot. But I felt like the Lord gave me this image and I felt like it represents what he was telling me. It's like, don't look at all the things right here. Look beyond that. Look to the things that you can't see. Trust that I'm in that. Trust that I'm working. And it was like we had like the best weather while I was there, which made me even more mad sometimes. But honestly, at at this point, I'm like, God, that's a gift. Like, fine. I felt like the Lord used that season of my life to really show me that really more than anything, if I was gonna persevere in my faith despite this challenge, that it was gonna be about my perspective. That the way that we lean into perseverance, the way that we develop our perseverance is to gain perspective. That's what it's really about because our perspective determines our perseverance. Our perspective guarantees our promise. We know, again, I just read it, that in James 1, that the Lord says that when you finish, that you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. It's not a maybe, it's not a hopefully, it's if you follow Jesus, when you finish, you will be complete. But only if we persevere, and like verse 18 said, so we have to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal that we would focus on the things that we cannot see. Now, some of you are sitting here in this room and maybe you've had one of those moments that life got expedited for you. That can happen through a lot of different things. It can happen through heartache, loss. It can happen through, you know, divorce. It can happen through challenges, whatever. But I believe that this passage isn't really just for that. It's for everyday life. That the Lord doesn't just use the big things, but the Lord uses all the things. That the Lord is always at work in our stories. That there are many things in your life that the Lord is using to draw you in. That there are many things in your life that the Lord is using to restore perseverance in your life so that you one day may be complete. And I feel like walking away from that, I felt so convicted because I felt like those were the things that I often missed. I could see it for sure when I was in the hospital, but I missed a lot of the small moments that the Lord was using. Like those moments where your kid just wants you to sit for an hour and play Legos and you're just thinking like, I have so much to do. But that maybe the Lord is trying to teach you patience. That the Lord is maybe trying to teach you just about his goodness when you look that kid in the eye and you see that they don't care about anything else other than being with you. And that you go, Lord, is this you? Are you showing me who you are? That maybe through your marriage, although challenging, that maybe there are conversations that need to be had so that the Lord can teach you and show you how to have reconciled relationships. That the Lord would teach you that through life. That career setbacks, maybe the Lord would teach you to trust in him. That in rushed or hurried moments where you want to just spew out whatever you're thinking or whatever you're feeling that maybe the Lord is trying to teach you how to control your tongue. 
There are all of these moments in life, but it's so easy to miss if we just focus on what we can see. The truth is, I believe that the Lord is using all those things in the background to get us to that place where we get to be finished and complete. I'm gonna share a song with you in just a second, and I'm gonna be honest with you, it's probably not your jam, okay? It's not like my jam, but it's perfect for what I'm trying to explain. I have ADHD, so when I'm working on the computer, I always have to have music going in the background because it helps focus my mind. It's weird, you don't get it, but if you have ADHD, you're like, absolutely. Thank you, right? And so I, I, one of the things I try to listen to because I can't have it distract me too much is I'll listen to like instrumental music or movie scores or things like that because it's kind of in the background but it's not like totally causing me to lose my train of thought. But there's this song that I found and I feel like it incorporates what I'm talking about. And I'm gonna let you hear it in just a second. But I want you to think about your life and I want you to think about all the things that make up your life. Why don't you think about your job? Why don't you think about all the big things? Because those are easy, like job, marriage, kids, future, home. But I want you to also think about the small things, the things that frustrate you, the things that challenge you, the things that are just annoying, the coworker, the, the, the kid sometimes, right? The playing the Legos, the, all the different things, whatever season you're in. I want you to think about all those things. And what I'm gonna challenge you to do is to bring them together and not see them as all these chaotic random moments, but to ponder how the Lord might be using all of those things for something that he desires to do in you to get you to the place that we read about in James. However, if we're gonna get there, we have to shift and change our perspective. So I want you to close your eyes right now. Everybody just close your eyes. We're going to play this song. You can start the first one and just go into it. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. So see, at this point, like it's, unless you're like a classical buff, like it's just kind of noise. It's kind of just randomly happening. There's just a lot going on, right? Kind of feels rhythmic in some ways. It's like there's just like the day in, day out, raising your kids, getting them dressed, going to work, you know, living life with your spouse, the yearly vacation, whatever it is that you do, the house, the house chores, the money, conversations. There's just like a lot happening. And that's what life is like. Life often feels that way and it's just going and going and going and it doesn't stop. And there's like little parts, different parts, right? That make it up and the challenge is how do I sort through all of it because I'm only one person? How do I do all the things? And so there's more and it's different. You can turn it up a little bit. And then the more that you pay attention to it, you see that there's some undertone behind it. That all of a sudden, all those sharp moments that felt so chaotic and felt so connected, that really it's the undertone behind them that actually gives them the weight that they have. What if our life was like this, that although life was happening and there's the day in, day out, that maybe the Lord is behind it, using all of those things to bring you to yourself, to bring you to who the person is that the Lord has always called you to be. What if we shifted our perspective to see what we cannot see, to hear what we cannot hear, to see things in life the way that he designed it? then you can appreciate the song, whether you're into classical music or you're not. You can open your eyes. Do you see what I mean? 
to me, I feel like living life with Jesus is like that song. That there's so many things that are always happening. There's so many things that are always thrown at you. There's all the things that you have to do, even aside from all the things that you want to do. But I feel like if we would just take the next step and shift our perspective, we might be able to see what the Lord is doing. We might be able to understand that he's going to use those moments with our kids and with our spouse, even old broken relationships or different things. He's going to use them and bring them in a way so that when we see him working, that he's actually bringing us on the journey of being able to come to that place where we are complete and whole and lacking nothing. But it all starts and ends with our perspective. I want to invite the team to come back up. And I want you to really think about that. I want you to really consider that. And I want to put up James one more time and I want to read it. And then we're going to have a moment of prayer. James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Can we read it together? It says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Come on. The longer that I live, the more that that's really what I desire. What's awesome is it's not just a desire, but it's a promise from God. And I'm like, Lord, you know me. You know the things that I don't do well. Lord, you know my backstory. Lord, you know the mistakes that I've made that I'm making and that I will make. And you still offer me wholeness? You still believe that you can make me whole and complete? And he's like, yes, because it's not about you. It's about me. And I'm like, God, you are so good. Why don't you stand to your feet right now? My challenge for you as you think about how to take this with you, because again, if it's just for this moment, then it's just a really good moment. But my challenge to you is to A, pray every day and say, Lord, allow me to see what it is that I cannot see. Lord, allow me to see what it is that you are busy at work that maybe I'm missing out on. I would challenge you to read 2 Corinthians 4 and 5 and pray that prayer over your own heart. Lord, allow me to see the unseen. And the other one is, I would encourage you to build things that matter. Work on the things that matter. My father-in-law, he has been such a good man and a good voice in my heart. Whenever I post on social media about something that is important or that has eternal value, he'll always send me a text that just says things that matter. So whenever it's a, a picture of me and my family, he texts me things that matter. If I'm doing something to just serve the church or something, he sends me a text, things that matter. I would encourage you to survey your life, to think through your life and ask like, what is, what is my life made of? What are the conversations that I'm having? What are the things that I'm praying about? Are they things that matter? And if they are, devote yourself to those things because the, there's a high probability that the Lord is doing more than just that. Even in our marriage, the Lord is doing more than just building a good marriage. He's building you. There's so much that the Lord desires to do if we will just surrender our sight and say, Lord, give us your perspective that we might see how you want to shift our lives forever. I would love to pray 
for you. And then we're gonna sing a song. Would you just close your eyes? Would you raise your hands? I wanna pray a prayer of encouragement. I wanna pray for your lives. And if you feel so led, you can pray with me. But I wanna believe that the Lord is gonna give us this and we get to take it home with us. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for who you are to me. I thank you for who you are to us. I thank you for the life change that we have in you, that when we say yes to you, we're saying yes to new life. And so God, I pray for every single one of us that's here today, God, I pray that we would take to heart what you wrote in the book of James, that you desire for us to walk with you so that we may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. What a promise. And God, I pray for the words that you wrote in 2 Corinthians, God, that we would focus our sight on you. God, that we would look beyond the daily things that are happening, that we would look beyond the mundane, that we would look beyond the challenge or the trial, but we would ask, Lord, what is it that you desire to do in and through us? God, I pray that we would open up our hearts and our minds, God, that we would see things the way that you see them, Lord. God, we love you for being so good. We thank you for being so faithful. God, for being so merciful, for being so loving, for being so kind, for being so patient and so full of peace. God, there is no one else like you. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.